Getting lost to find yourself. It is the ultimate goal of motorcycling for those of us who aren't track junkies. Whether on the open roads or in the wilderness, being alone is where we find our solitude. And being lost is where we find ourselves alone. You just used synonyms to say the same thing without really saying anything. Don't step on my intro, Tobor. <clears throat> anyway, as I was saying, the destination is not the adventure. The adventure lies within the journey. And sometimes the best adventures arise from journeys with no destination. Every journey it has a destination by definition. The literal definition of the word journey is travel from one place to another. A trip. What, what if that place is nowhere? Now you sound like the lyrics to a song by the Beatles. Great. So, just be quiet for one second. You're ruining my mojo. Okay, ready? So getting lost is an art form right? Getting lost is an art form and you can't know where you're going, but you also can't go into the unknown without knowing what you need to have in order to get there. It's the ultimate enigma, a journey to the unknown in order to find that you are there the whole time. And it's the ultimate irony, finding yourself in the journey to get lost. This reads like a stoned ninth grader wrote it. This is terrible. <laughs> you're also using the same words over and over. You're not even using synonyms anymore. Just roll into the intro, you asshole. Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. All right. With no further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Oh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? Uh, thank you. Nice mic drop there at the end. I forgot I did that. That was a good take. Okay. Oh, my apologies. Right out of the starting gate. Oh my god, the green flag drops, and so does the snot out of my nose. So, Tobor, you are, you're very lucky that you don't have, not to my knowledge anyway, do robots have any robotic ailments? I mean, you get bugs, I guess. Huh? You get a bug now and then? Or a virus? Oh, snap! Anyway, okay, you're looking at me like that. Don't, don't look at me like that. I was trying to make it funny. Um, anyway, before we start the show, um... We need to give our little disclaimer here. Uh, you should do this one day, Tobor. Oh, geez. Okay, fine. Uh, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants, do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of the Creative Writing Podcast, the Moto One Podcast Network, or any of our affiliates, and any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Freightliner M2106 drivers. That's right. Hey, dog, if you're going to be in here, you got to do what Tobar does and sit still. All right? You got that? All right. Well, before before we start the show, let's talk about what's on the menu. You can choose what you want with a menu. Uh, well, technically, you're true. I mean, I suppose. I, I should have said, like, maybe index. Uh, listen, I know an index is at the back. Don't start giving me guff already right here at the top of the show. I, I would say table of contents but the noco bros use that and right now i have a big beef with them they keep 
really just messing with the uh, the network president. And when he comes back here to Burbank, he's always throwing a little tantrum about weird stuff. Like last week, his office chair was the topic of contention for whatever reason. I don't know what he's yammering about, but that and like the budget for segues. And I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, I don't even know half the crap he talks about. And if they're getting that stuff, why aren't we getting that stuff? Anyways, I just, I really have no idea what he's talking about. And so that's not my only beef with them, but we'll, we'll get into that later in the show. Anyways, let's start the show with some announcements, some events, and actually Tobor, I'm sorry to have done this to you. I should have. I could have sent you to Detroit, and <laughs> I'm sure you would have had a, a much better time. Um, but I sent you to Northern Colorado. Well, you went to Northern Colorado for the team. I didn't really send you. Anyway, let's do this. So, uh, first and foremost, let's get into this week's show. Um, some announcements, real quick. Let's get these out of the way, and I uh, should I should pot up some cool cool music right here. Or um, since you're the assistant, Tobor, you should probably. Probably do that. You want to throw in some cute, cute music right here? I'm a guy. And uh, I swear, one of these days, we're going to have an actual producer in here so you and I don't have to do all the shunk tobes. Thank you for helping. All right. So listen up, folks. Um, here's, the, here's the skinny. Um... February 28th, that's today. We This is going out a little bit late because we were waiting for Tobor to get back from Colorado. Uh, the SoCal sw- Cycle Swap Meet's happening today at Veterans Stadium in Long Beach. By the time this hits the airwaves, that'll be done and gone. So uh, your chance is next month, the, the last Sunday. Uh, go check out some cool Cycle Swap Meet junk. Um, 3.05 through 3.14, 2021. That's so crazy to think of that it's just next week. I think next Thursday or Friday. Uh, that's going to be Daytona, baby. Daytona Bike Week is starting up. A lot of the people that were missing out on last year, this is right when everything went down last year. It's been uh, roughly 12 months, uh, some something like that, since all hell broke loose. Baby, we've come a long way in those 12 months, and we made it to this year where hopefully things are going to uh, happen and, and uh, keep going this year without being called off. Hopefully we're going to be see a lot of stuff this year. But right now, Daytona Bike Week. Nothing was going to stop Bike Week. Nothing was going to stop Sturgis. Uh, not even um, illness. So uh, if you're headed down to Daytona Bike Week, go uh, check it out. Check out actually DaytonaBeach.com forward slash Bike Week for any details. Hang on one sec. <coughs> oh, geez. So... Anyway, since this is the internet, and I've learned last year that apparently you can say whatever you want on the internet, and like anyone will believe it, uh, I'm going to say go down to the Krusty Clam down there in Daytona Beach. They're going to be handing out free Corona shots there uh, from 9 to 7, and uh, followed by free Corona vaccinations. Oh, I wish we had like a good producer, not you, Tobor, that would actually throw a drum roll in there. Um, All right, listen, 326. So this is March 26th through the 29th. Still coming up here. Club Bull Taco Australia is having their 20th Spanish motorcycle rally. At 844 Turndale Road in Duramana. Duramana. It's probably Duramana, and I'm saying it wrong. But I'm going to say Duramana, New South Wales. Um, 
All right, and that's Australia. If you're gonna if you're gonna be traveling on a plane, which I know nobody is, <laughs> so you have to be down there uh, in order to hit that up. Go ahead on uh, April 10th. Listen to this one. This is gonna be an awesome event. This is gonna be the Biltwell 100. They're holding a little desert rate this race this year. Um, for more I- information, just hit up www.biltwell100.com, and. Um, that's all you need to know about that. It's all sold out, so you can be a spectator and uh, and um, go check that out. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think they're going to have a bunch of cool uh, cool classes. We were talking about the racing bagger, the bagger racing league rather. And I was making jokes about, um, hooligan supermoto and stuff like that. Hey, this is probably the closest you're going to see that. I think there's going to be some Harley, um, off-road stuff out there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, 410 also April 10th. Listen up. Classic track days at Big Willow. It's going to be $175 per rider and it includes your photo package. This is in preparation, folks. Every year, it's right around this time. And every year, I, I can almost not go. Uh, I, I think I've only gone once since I've been married because it's my wife's birthday weekend. But, um... Yeah, before I was married, I would go to the, the uh, Moto Corsa Classica, and it was a uh, bike race that was kind of held in conjunction with like America, uh, AMA racing out there at Big Willow, or at Willow Springs, rather. And, uh, you know, places like where Nikki Hayden and those guys used to cut their teeth, well, they don't do much uh, competition racing out there anymore. Um, I don't think at all, but they do have really cool stuff out there. Like the armor races still happen out there. Uh, this year, our friend Brady Walker, we talked to him last year. They created the SoCal Vintage Grand Prix. So this classic track day happening on the 10th happens to be the last practice and precursor before the very next weekend. Uh, so yeah, 410, mark your calendars for that if you're going to be racing in any of the armor classes because the very next weekend, 416 through 19, so it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, Arma and Bridgestone Tires National Historic Road Racing Series brings rounds five and six to Willow Springs for the SoCal Vintage Grand Prix. Uh, there will also be uh, flat track racing at the adjacent dirt uh, oval on the property. And this event is going down at the streets of Willow, which is the smaller track, not not Big Willow. And it's gonna this this round uh, of this weekend is gonna be called Scamper at the Streets. Uh, so it's gonna be rounds five and six of the National Historic Road Racing Series. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, remember that you can get 98, 102, and 110 octane for all you people running built mini bikes out there in Antelope Valley. Uh, head over to head over to um, Rosamond at Willow Springs that weekend. Buy some buy some 110 for those little mini bikes and then i know you guys go ripping out in the in the desert out there uh and the following weekend the very next weekend you have uh from sunday to friday you have four days to prepare it's going to be the arma bridgestone tires national historic road race series round seven and eight of the socal vintage grand prix and this weekend is going to be called the battle for big willow so of course they're going to be at at, uh, big willow um there will be a swap meet rather than flat track on this weekend there's going to be a swap meet on saturday and sunday as well as a vintage bike show probably a lot of race bikes in the show um on sunday so go check this out if you get a chance. Like I said, my wife's birthday is the first round, so I probably won't, won't be going to that. But uh, my 
I intend to be there for the uh, second round for sure. Uh, there's free camping and free parking once you get into the facility. And spectator price for both weekends is $20 for one day, $30 for two days, and $35 for three days. So $35, bucks, that's cheaper than you can get a campground uh, for mo- at most places for three days. Um, and, and you can go in, bring your trailer, uh, bring your pit bike, bring your bicycle, whatever you're going to cruise around on, get out there and it's going to be some of the best racers on a very historic track. This, um, Willow Springs, if you've never seen it, it is pretty cool. And like Wiggins said before, I think Carol Shelby did some testing, uh, back there. I think it's been around since 53. So in the fifties and the sixties, this was the place to be. Uh, and, and Nikki Hayden, if you go back to last, um, about right around this time last year, uh, go listen to our, our episode on 1980. I think it was we talked about uh, we talked about Nikki Hayden. I'm pretty sure we did um, on that episode or the or the episode right before that. And he did a lot of his uh, winning uh, when he was an AMA racer um, out there at Willow Springs. So pretty cool, pretty sweet. All right. Um, what, okay. So now listen. This is a huge announcement. I want to say congrats to uh, the Milwaukee Rivets. Uh, we've we've had them on the show a long time ago. I think episode 81 maybe. Um, the connection with, with, uh, with half the people in Wisconsin isn't so good. I know Wisconsin doesn't really have, uh, our phone lines got crossed. So I don't know if you're going to recognize her voice on that episode, but Mrs. Uh, D Alessandro, um, her and her hubs have a new family edition. I think it's okay to say this because they posted it all over Instagram. So if this is a secret, it's a very poor, it's like Ducati's, uh, Panigale secret. It was leaked to the press months before it actually happened. So, so congrats to them. Uh, apparently there's a little rivet on the way. I don't know if that means it's going to be a girl, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to say congrats. Great. It's a great club. And all those ladies look like they have such a fun time and bring a lot to the motorcycling world and so i just uh wanted to send some thanks back to them and say hey congrats on this little baby babies are pretty fun i have two of them i will sell you for cheap if you just wanted to get one like started totally cheap hit me up if you're still interested all right with that tobor uh let's bring it back i'd like to bring back word of the week we haven't done word of the week for a long time and in honor of being lost this week, God, my nose is going to kill me. I'm going to be snorting on the, this is so, it's so terrible. I apologize in advance, everyone. If you've listened to the show before, you know that usually like December and January, um, my, my nostrils are just driving me crazy. And this year it was kind of cold, uh, colder. So I think that the, um, it's, it's really warming up right now, and I think that the uh, we've had so much wind recently, and so much so many plants blossoming a little bit early, that I think I've got allergies, and I think that um, or just the crap blowing around in the air. Um, so yeah, I my apologies in advance. Um, hey, and before I say the word of the week, listen. Speaking of getting warm and cold, I just want to say. Uh, to all of our friends in Texas, I'm glad things turned around. That was a hectic week everyone had. Uh, a few of my coworkers were out. Like we have a bunch of coworkers on my team that live in Texas, and I was like, you know, I lived in the woods in Arkansas. I know what it's like to have pipes burst when you live in the rural 
areas you kind of maybe expect that or plan for it when you live in the cities and you're having like the pipes burst in your apartment buildings i don't think anyone was ready for that so i hope everyone's recovering and i hope um the warmer weather and all that stuff is is making it a lot easier now and and things are going to get hopefully fixed and back to normal but man what a crazy crazy week like it was negative 40 for a week and now it's been in the 40s for or maybe it was like negative 70 and now it's plus 70 they had like a 130 degree uh weather swing i can say that because this is the internet and i can say whatever (laughs) whatever i want so anyway um so yeah so i'm glad they're back and went through some sort of uh, trauma and are hopefully recovering from it. This week on our show, we're going to be talking about getting lost and that sort of trauma and recovering from it. And I'd like to bring back Word of the Week. We have a Facebook page if you'd like to contribute a Word of the Week. I'll try to get over there more often and check it out. But uh, yeah, it's a Facebook group, Word of the Week. If you want to go submit your word, um, uh, hopefully I got my Facebook. Hopefully I haven't been on Facebook in like almost all last year. So hopefully I can remember how to use it. Um, but I'll try to make it over there and grab the word. Um, and we like funky, funny words. And before when Wiggins and Jay were on the show, whoever said the word had to do a punishment. So it's just me and you, Torbor. I know what type of stuff we, I subjected us to last year. And I'm not going to do that to either of us. So until we, we get other folks back here in the studio with us, Maybe if we say the word of the week, we'll shout and cheer and do some fun stuff. Or maybe it'll just be a word that hopefully we give to you and you can use for the rest of this week. So, in order, in honor of word of the week, we're going to bring back this week's word. And this week's word is obscured. I can guarantee I'm not going to say that today. (laughs) Oh, the word is obscure. Oh, whoops. Obscured. I was reading it wrong. I was reading it as a three obscured. No, no, it's obscured. Obscured. So this week's uh, word is obscured. Do you even know what that means? Yes, I know what it means. Why would... (laughs) Duh. What does it mean? Listen, Tobor. (laughs) Get out of my face. Last week, we talked about the G3... About the 310s, right? 300 uh, cc's. And what a booming class of motorcycles it is. And I just went through the new G310R and G310S310GS uh, at work um, with the people that don't live in Texas. Um, we, went, we were doing some of that stuff. And did you know the BMW has already changed these models a little further for 2021? Um, I couldn't tell you the details because I was just helping somebody do the research on it um i i used to be the only motorcycle person at my work and now that i got a bunch of people guess what i say hey you go find out what the stupid thing has on it i'm not i'm sick of doing this <laughs> so uh jk it's just nice to have extra help but now i realize like yeah i don't know what every single motorcycle is going to have anymore i'm gonna have to actually just go look at these specs if i want to know them no more just knowing it because i see it every day um but I do know that they changed them for 2021. Uh, and they're just, the 300 class period is getting such a boost. Um, I've been looking on the Facebooks now that I figured out how to log back into Facebook and remember, remembered that it was a social media site. Um, I kind of logged back in there, seeing some of the pages and forums and people talking about their uh KLX uh, 300s that people are nabbing up. Some people have already bought the CRF 300 Ls, I believe. Uh, there was one person. So a lot of dual sport uh, uh, 300s going out there right now. Um, and just what a great class this was. 
of, of motorbikes and the fact that it's growing, right? So this was last week's show. Go listen to that. We didn't do um, a bunch of spec sheets and stuff like that because it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Just go, if you're going to get a bike, you should really go test ride it no matter what it is. Sit on it, feel it, um, and read all about it. Now, this is something I never thought about reading about before I bought a bike was um, service intervals. I would never have thought to read that. So when you are buying some of these smaller bikes, if you're going to get like a side bike, um, go go and check out the service intervals on it and make sure you're not buying... If you're buying like a trail bike or like a, a motocross bike that's not street legal... Uh, if you have, if you're in California, you gotta, you have to sticker those things, green or red stickers. Um, and if you have to sticker your bike, chances are it's not going to be built the same way that a street bike is with long intervals and you're going to be expecting to run it for hours a day or miles at a time, hundreds of miles at a time, like for commuting, traveling, uh, touring, stuff like that. Off-road bikes usually get like hours on them, not like miles, right? So... Um, check out service intervals if you are going to go nab up some of these 300s and just uh, be aware that you're going to have to pay attention to stuff like that. Um, me, myself, I was just reading the old service manual or uh, the service interval on my uh, SCR because I was doing a oil change on all the bikes here in the garage the other day just because the oil's been sitting. And I know I haven't been like using the oil, but it's been, they've been sitting. Uh, for most of 2020, I did not ride as much as I... Uh, wanted to and oil breaks down right oil breaks it's like a glass of water you, you, I didn't drink any but it's empty after sitting on the counter for three weeks well it evaporates right so oil does sort of the same thing I know it's not running through the motor and I know that it's not like 100% it's not really used but it does break down somewhat so I figured you know it's been a few months since I've ridden these bikes that much I know I probably only put like 10 miles or 20 miles on the VFR. I put less than like five miles on Spamala and I've been mostly driving uh, or riding around my SCR. I still um, change the oil on all of them just because they have been sitting. Uh, the chain lube has been just sitting here getting hard and you don't want that stuff to just sit. So it is, even if you're not riding, periodically I think, I don't know if it's recommended, but periodically I would just personally go re you know lube your chain as if you've been riding it you know for months because that stuff is going to dry and goop up and and get crusty and two years from now when you go to turn your chain it's going to have a stiff spot in it like a happy sock or something and you're going to be kind of grossed out that your (laughs) your chain's got a stiff spot in it so rotate your chain um, spin it around lube it do all that stuff change the oil once in a while um, even if you don't ride, it's three months or 3,000 miles. And I think that's partially because of the breakdown. So at any rate, getting back to the story here, uh, check in service intervals before you buy some of these new bikes. And when I, I'd never thought about that. When I bought my SCR, I kind of bought it on the fact that I just liked, I liked Spamla. I've had Spamla was my very first street bike. Um, and I had, as dirt bikes, I've ha- I had a few couple thumpers before I started riding on the street. So Spamala was a little thumper. Um, this big SCR feels like a thumper and uh, still has good V-twin torque, you know, so it's cool. Um, I liked some of my other bikes that I had that were, I had a Magna that was a V4 and that was fun and fast, but it wobbled like crazy, handled like crap. None of those bikes that I ever had 
Um, and I actually owned a Suzuki V-Twin for like five seconds. Terrible. That was an awful decision. I owned that for like a week, I think. Um, and it was just like, no. I just needed to find out. And it was not for me. So of all the bikes I've owned and ridden, I never, ever thought about service intervals. And when I was popping open the... Uh, I was going to change my air filter with the oil, kind of like you do on your car all the time. And my air filter actually says 24,000 miles. And I was like, what? So, yeah, I guess unless I'm going down dusty roads and and scrambling on this thing all the time, 24,000 is the recommended interval. And uh, that was pretty amazing to me. So, yeah, on these these little bikes, these 300s and stuff that were coming out, I was talking about how great they are, how cheap they are, um, what a wonderful... Thing for riders returning and um, or people that want to get like an uh, like an extra bike that hey I got my touring cross country bike but what if I just want to go downtown like I don't want to ride that 500 pound you know bagged up monstrosity uh, and try to park in between two cars or something and you just get a little bike for zipping around town whatever it is I didn't think about the service intervals you know or the spec sheets so uh, when you if you do go check out these 300s right. Uh, all I got to say is to uh, check that out. Check out the uh, service intervals on them. I feel like we're going back in time to like the 60s and 70s when there was a lot of bikes that were, uh, you know, 175 to 350. And I think that the um, the super bikes, quote, didn't really start until the CB750 uh, arrived in 69 Pardon me. And after that, there was a few other, you know, like the Z1. All those things uh, popped up right around that time frame. And I feel like the rest of them, though, uh, even the Goldwing was only at 1,000cc, I think, when it first came out. Um, And everything else was small, like 175, 250, 350, 500. Like like bikes were a little. And and GP was 500s for Pete's sake. You know, the top of the, the cream of the crop was 500s. Um, I'll be at two stroke, you know, so they were making like 850 power or nine or, you know, 900 CC power. Um, uh, yeah, it was just weird to think that where the bikes were small and I feel like as bikes have got bigger over the years, uh, especially since 2008, we're seeing certain companies taper off. And I mentioned last week, we should talk about how cruisers, I feel like cruisers are dying and sport bikes are kind of dying. Um, we, we may delve into this in a, uh, a scripted show and talk about that and have some actual numbers to back it up with. But I feel like we're kind of going back and there's like all these 300s coming out again. And so I'm kind of stoked that 300 and then, like I said, Honda's got a lot of 500s where, uh, you know, Suzuki and Kawi and all those guys have a lot of uh, like... 650s and stuff so that's a good uh, range but what is happening to the bigger bigger ranges and these little 300s I feel like are going to be like the Honda Grom you know I know that Kawasaki has a 125 Z125 Pro um, but I think this interest that people are showing in the Cub and the Trail and the new Trail like Hunter version that's coming out um, and the fact that the guys uh, Ari Henning and Zach Quartz did Baja on monkeys uh, shows th- an interest in it, at least. You know, what's the fun of getting a Triumph Tiger 800 and doing it? You know, it could do it, right? So I don't know. I feel like this is, uh, we're going back in time when, when smaller bikes were um, kind of like 
the norm. Like my dad and my wife's dad both rode 250s around and that was what they had. Like that was a com- good commuter bike. It'd be like a 650 nowadays, like a mid-range commuter. It wasn't a huge bike and it wasn't a little bike and the speed limits were only 55 probably back in those days. So yeah, they got they, they both started on 250s and just rode those all over. And I think my wife's dad was into choppers and stuff and those were only like 650 Triumph choppers or something like that. So um, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like the, we're going back to when the when the bikes didn't need to be so big, and I think people are kind of realizing that. Also, people are getting older. Um, I, I know there's a lot of newer bike riders, but I think that they are riding dirt bikes and all that crazy stuff. So it's just kind of nice to see uh, people getting into smaller bikes. Now that's silly to say because a lot of street bikes are starting in the 1000s these days, right? So even Moto Two, Moto Two, which used to be like on. 125s or 250s or something. I mean, they're on 675cc Triumph engines, you know? Um, so for racing, I don't know, is 1000 going to be the new small bike and like 1100 or 1150 is going to be the new GP bike? So, uh, or will we hit a point like when GP dropped back to 800 and the lower classes are going to go back to 300 or 400? I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but regardless... Uh, of what street bike and race bikes do, I think the 300 class is rising, and that's not just on the street. We mentioned that we don't we didn't even cover like a little tiny crumb of the off-road segment. And this weekend, when I was looking at at uh, Facebook, that's all I saw was like uh, 300s, 250s. You know, the the biggest bigger bikes were like the uh, 701 and 650. So most people had like a 300. Um, so there's a ton of trail and, and enduro 300s, but we posed a question uh, last week. I guess I should just quit, quit rambling here. Uh, last week, we posed the question, or last show, I should say, of what would you want to see made into a 300? Because if we're going to see this rise in 300s, maybe, or if we can make smaller bikes popular again, I think it'd be awesome. Uh, the only response we got was from Colorado, which is very unfortunate. So... Horrible, horrible place from what I hear, especially uh, if there's a building that says Nokomoto on it. You don't want to be anywhere around there. Swiggy, one of the co-hosts on the on the Nokomoto show, is always talking about how his bikes are getting stolen like every month. So if it's not like an insurance fraud scam, then he might as well move to Detroit. It sounds safer. Um, but anyway, our lovely patron Phil from Colorado, he... he uh, replied and he's probably lives in an okay part of Colorado. Uh, he said that he would like to see a Ducati Panigale V4 300 that revved to like 50,000. Ha ha and we all we all here in the studio laughed and giggled. Tobor did. I don't want don't laugh yet Tobor, but we'll hear we'll hear your laugh in a second. Um, but that's not that far off the mark I was thinking. I mean 50,000 is kind of a high RPM. That's off the mark. But uh, not as crazy as you might think. Hang on. I'm just down here and dropped my toilet paper to blow my nostrils. Um, yes, it's to blow my nostrils, Tobor. He's pointing toward what is that? Your your uh, what do you call that port on the back? There? It's basically his butt. It's not wiping my butt. Oh, ha ha! He's pointing at my face now, like I'm gonna have a butt face. Tobor, I'm glad. Just be quiet. Um, let's get back to Phil's question. Can you scroll down on the screen? For the thank you. You jerk. Um, God damn. That ruined that audio. 
It's not you ruining it, Tobor. It's my my nostrils. So, anyways, to get back to Phil's uh, fifty thousand uh, RPM Ducati V four, uh, they did make some in the nineties, in the late in the late eighties and early nineties, I believe it was like eighty nine, ninety one, somewhere around there. There were a lot of two fifty cc four strokes that were revving up to twenty thousand RPM. So uh, maybe they were inline fours. So maybe if you had a V four with uh, some special valve, or if it was a Ducati and they made a Desmo, maybe it could rev to 50,000. Because I could tell you what, at, at 50,000, your valves are floating, man. They're just going to be, they're going to be singing, they're screaming, they're going to be moving so fast that the spring isn't going to even have time to oscillate back down to close it before it's coming up again. So you're just going to have, uh, it'll probably run for three seconds until all the uh, valves explode and the pistons chew them up and then everything blows out the, uh, just a huge, it's like a cat coughing up a fur ball. Just this big ball of metal is going to shoot out your exhaust pipe and your bike's going to quit running at that point. So 50 thou, a little high. Maybe if it was a Ducati and they had the Desmo valves, if you never, if you don't know what I'm talking about, instead of valve springs that run on gears, maybe that would work. Uh, maybe they could run it up a little higher. But uh, even at even at that, seventeen thousand was like the lowest RPM, and nineteen thousand was the highest. I think it was the Yamaha. Uh, no, I think it was a Honda revved up to nineteen thousand. Not even F1 cars at that time were revving up that high. They were like in the 12,000 range. I think I think F1 cars now are like 21,000 RPM and stuff like that. But man, if you had little little 250s that were revving higher than F1s, can you imagine how they sounded going down the track? So it was a pretty crazy time. Um, there was like the FZR from Yamaha, and I want to say the GSX-R, um, maybe 250RR or something from Suzuki, uh, the Hondas was like the CBR 250XR, or maybe it was a RR as well. Um, they they kind of sounded like the normal names, but um, they were just they were insane. And then what did Kawasaki 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 had? Uh, God, I wish I could remember what it was called. But yeah, they each had like their little two stroke that just like would have just been crazy to ride. They were limited to 45 horsepowers by the federal government, but uh, I don't know what race what race guys did with them. Uh, race teams. I shouldn't say race guys. Uh, race teams. I don't know what they did with them, if they just took them out and wrung their necks. But limited, limiting the um, street version to 45 horsepower, that's more horsepower than the 1990 Softtails had from Harley-Davidson. Uh, they were right around 45. They were like 48, somewhere around there. Uh, so you're, we're talking like a difference of like less than five horsepower. Um, and those motors were 1,340 cc. They were 80 cubic inch. And these friggin' little 250s were are like 20 <laughs> cubic inch. So um, yeah, they might. If they made one that revved high like a VFR uh, does, and the VFR, the great thing about those, and um, like the Magnas had the VF motors in them too, uh, V4s. Um, the torque is amazing, and they still can go kind of higher than like a V-twin. I don't, you know, just because you have, you're taking some of the, some of the uh, expectations off of off of two cylinders, and you're spreading it out over more cylinders, so you can rev a little higher. So maybe a Panigale V4 300 would be pretty sweet and especially if you're revved up to like 20k with the desmo 
um, valve system. So anyway, all right. I think it could have worked. Their Scrambler 62 is basically a sleeved 410cc version of the bigger, like, 950 Scrambler. So maybe they could have sleeved uh, one of the Panigale V4s down to a 300. That just means they take the same motor, basically, and make the... uh, um, Cylinders, they put sleeves in them to make them smaller, so the pistons are are smaller. You know, the volume is smaller, so the uh, the wall of the um, piston is like five inches thick with, with a tiny little piston in there, rather than big old V four pistons for a thousand. Anyway, ha ha ha. Anyway, yeah, Phil added this. Tobor, you're gonna love this. Uh, speaking of Tobor, I heard him talking. Beep. We're gonna. I'm gonna auto beep that I see so you don't have to push the button. Um, well that's okay. I was hanging out with his motherboard last night and even though she's only a C plus plus in my book, I still reformatted her hard drive. She took all of my Ram into her slot and I made her floppy disk go all solid state. I wish I had some naughty music to play over this. She took, uh, Oh, he overclocked her CPU and she executed her program everywhere before she went into sleep mode. And I thought that was pretty funny. Like, that's what a computer nerd. That's good. Uh, <laughs> that's like a good computer joke. I know, Tobor, you're fuming. I got you, pot- your volume's down uh, on your mic and you can't override this manual system. So, uh, anyway. So, Tobor, speaking, of, and he's just kidding, Tobor. I know you're, you're, you're glowing. Your metal is getting hot. I could, yeah. Simmer down now. Um, speaking of Colorado, Tobor, let's let's get back on track here. You took a clandestine trip last week to the Nokomoto uh, and Moto One podcast headquarters. So y- you went to check a few things out for us, and I want to find out what you learned. But you you spent that weekend up there uh, disguised as an AC evacuation machine. I know they're working on all excuse me all sorts of like. Ferraris and Aramaki chimeras, and they have to cha- charge the air conditioning in there. So you you spent the weekend, pardon me, God, up there, uh, clandestine, uh, getting clandestine recordings. Uh, what exactly did you learn uh, from your uh, trip up there? I learned that the Nokomoto brothers were not into craft brewing or race craft as you had predicted. Okay. Turns out they are into witchcraft. Whoop. And investing in Airmaki like Redditors invest in endgame stock. Investing in Airmaki like Redditors investing in game stuff. We we all knew that. So uh yeah, Tobor, let's hear <coughs> excuse me, let's hear some of the audio clips that you got. I don't know how many listeners creative writing has, right? Like maybe they've got, you know, maybe there's Maybe they've. Yeah. Okay. That shows me a little bit of confusion. That doesn't necessarily tell me that they are witches. Okay. I want to hear some compelling audio, something crazy. Listen to this. We are going to now discuss. I guess this is a tech, a tech segment. This is definitely us trying to sound like we know what we're talking about, but we're going to talk about basically any kind of fluid that you put in your butt. Whoa, that is, that's a little insane. Wow. Is this the sort of stuff that makes it to the air on their show? Is this just like the sort of stuff they're talking about in the studio? Well, let's hear something else. You said, you said you found out there are witches. Like what this still, I mean, that's a crazy topic, but that doesn't tell me that they're a witch. Here is a spell for horsepower. Okay. It's all right. What a shocker. With VTuber, cold and miserable, but that's going to be at the end. Oh, okay. 
That is kind of weird. That's crazy. So after they would, what would they do? They'd say this stuff and, uh, I mean, you knew it was for horsepower, so I'm guessing they said it beforehand or something. But is that it? I mean, they were just like, uh, like, how'd you know they were doing spells? Uh, I mean, they just say these words and then like the thing would happen or afterward? Did they have any, uh, any other plans or any other techniques to extract horsepower from a bike? They were making gestures and feeding animals to a large tub of water. What? I guess we're drowning six puppies today. <gasps> oh my God. The people from Fist Puppies would be so happy to hear that. Maybe even Crider's Leathers, but I don't like that. That is nuts. The, um, what else did you hear? Like, what sort? Can you, can you repeat one of the spells or just like tell me some random stuff they were saying? There was this spell too. Okay. And after this spell, I want to just hear some random audio. It's a Honda. Ducati. <sighs> Gootsy Gritso. You know, crafts. There's an element that becomes beautiful, underestimating a million and one be exactly what you want it to be. Oh my God, Tobor, if I ever heard a spell to make an air maki seem more valuable than it was, that's it. That's it right there. Oh my God, that's crazy. Let's hear, uh, give me some rando crazy audio, they said. I one thing I, I will say that's I will say something kind about it is I do like how big and thick and sort of train like the is. Mm. It's not especially beautiful, but at least it's sort of bold and in your face. I don't like that it's blacked out, but the overall shape of it I think is kind of distinctive and cool. What the fuck? I know. And that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion. Listen. <laughs> wow. All right, Tobor. I think I've heard enough. I think I've heard enough. Listen, uh, I was going to say we need to get on with the rest of the show. It's uh, almost an hour in. Um, we're about to get into the news, but we're going to defer all of our news, unless it's fake news, to Moto Twins podcast, which I have taken over, by the way. I think I mentioned that before, and I will be beginning production on soon. Um, so if you want motorcycle news, go there. The only real news that I have for this show is that Daft, Daft Punk broke up after forming it in 1993, right? So 28 years of crazy influential music with some of the world's biggest hits. Tobor, I know you were a huge fan after they transitioned into robots, of course. So I think we need to use some of this audio. We're going to cut it right here. We're going to take some of your audio. Uh, we're going to put a Daft Punk tribute together. We, we actually did this. Uh, we started this a couple of days ago. Uh, we're going to put a Daft Punk tribute together real quick. We'll play that. We'll take a quick break for you and I. Uh, and then we'll get into the rest of the show. But this cannot stand. This cannot stand. Nokomoto. And I, during this break, I'm going to hear listen to some of this audio and I'm sure I'm going to be blown away. This is disgusting. This is, this. I'm, I'm drinking. It's driven me to gulp a beer. So, all right, let's get into this real, or uh, take a break real quick. Tobor, we'll chalk up the music for everybody else and you and I will take a little, a little sleep here. So, Moto sucks.
same deformity making the hair go the other way. But, but, okay. It's yeah. kind of like a but kind of numbers. I guess I should.
Oh, geez. Oh, geez. Oh, geez. It was a good one. It was a good one. Um, oh, the genetic deformity making the hair go the other way. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to this. Wearing Gore-Tex gloves, everything has a weird blue tint. What a shocker. Okay, listen to this one. Two things that will keep you dry. Significantly high horsepower aftermarket parts. Okay. It's nuts. Like, they're, like, down to zero. It's, yeah. Okay, Tobor. I think I've heard all I need to hear. Um, Yeah. I... I don't know what happened to Nokomoto. This is interesting. It's very interesting. This is some very weird stuff that you you definitely uh, picked up on audio. Uh, I'm done with them. It's, I think it's time for us to get into... It was a nice little break for us for that song. I think it's time for us to get into our third segment here of the show, which is our main topic. Um, and we'll see what happens next week. If they if they tick off the, the boss, uh, I'm going to be pretty upset again. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then... I know last week you were gone. You were, you were, I found you. I told one of our patrons that you were kind of in here hanging out doing your own show or something. I don't know what you were doing. I don't know if you were on uh, a call or what was going on, but you were in here in the studio last week. So uh, I'm interested to see if I find any audio tapes that you did. So, anyways, let's get into our, uh, our main segment getting lost. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about getting lost, right? No one likes getting lost, whether it's on an epic journey across the country or just across a city to an epic motorcycle ride. Like when the kickstand, when the, you know, KSU on the, on all the, uh, flyers and stuff, when that kickstands up time hits, no one's going to be waiting around for stragglers like you. Uh, and even worse, getting lost in the wilderness, it can leave you with the ultimate buyer's remorse and panic will put your mind in a tailspin. What I mean by that is, It'll go from, oh, man, why did I come out on this stupid ride to why did I even plan this stupid trip to why did I even buy this stupid motorcycle and then why was I even born? Like, you know, some people, why was the earth even, you know, created out of the mat, the atmosphere of the great nothing, whatever it is, you're going to, your mind takes a serious turn um, from, hey, I'm lost to, oh, my God, why was, you know, why wasn't the earth just obliterated by an asteroid 47 billion years ago, then I wouldn't be in this predicament. And it's the same sort of feeling that we as humans have, uh, when we have buyer's remorse, um, when we, you know, we feel guilt, anything like that, getting lost sort of can make you feel guilty, um, and make you start to panic. But, uh, here's, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you need to keep your head clear because keeping a clear head and having the bare minimum skills will get you back on track and leave you with a funny story rather than a funeral bill for your family, basically. So, you are doing a complete 180 from your statement at the beginning of the show where you were saying uh, that getting lost was the ultimate goal of motorcycling? Um, I mean, yeah, that that's terrifying. That that crap's terrifying. I mean, it may, I was just making that up for the intro. Uh, I didn't mean it. No, getting lost sucks. Going on, you know, it's one thing. I just, like I said, you you were you were right about that. I, that that was like a stoner wrote that three three bong hits in. Um, that was terrible, terrible print there at the beginning. But what I was just 
trying to uh, trying to get people thinking about is like, yeah, on a journey, a lot of time people don't have anything in, in mind for motorcycling, or like they have an epic road trip, and the the crazy stuff that happens on the way is what you laugh about. But you don't want the crazy stuff to include dying, right? Whether it was like like if you get lost and you have a cool story to tell about it afterwards, that's one thing. If you get hit by a car and get killed, that's another thing. And what's the difference between getting hit by a car and getting killed, killed, and getting lost in the wilderness and getting killed? Uh, like one is your own stupidity that kills you. The other one, you're not responsible for the actions of other drivers around you, right? You can just be as defensive as possible. But I mean, getting lost and killed in the wilderness, not only does that suck, but it's got to be terrifying to be out there alone and then come to the realization at some point that you're uh, you're up um, bleep creek. Do you have the you have the soundboard up for that? Yeah, you don't. Okay, great. You're an awesome producer, Tobor. You're you're fired. And I would have said the other word, but you don't have the bleepy thing up. Um, we're trying to clean up the show because if you have expletives or you're marked as explicit content, they don't play you in other countries. So we're trying to be cool to. Um, our friends that we have in India, I know there's a few listeners over there, um, and in other places where they straight up do not allow explicit content in their iTunes. So yeah, if it sounds like we're trying to bleep stuff out, we are. So we get back to the point here. Um, bleepity bleep that scary Tobor. Like I, you just don't have feelings. Maybe you have a feeling emulator, but, uh, yeah, you can start to do that thing. Even falling down, like even, um, even getting like when I got hit by a car, I'm sure I was like, "Oh, why was I even out on my motorcycle riding to the store? Like I should have been in another car." No, the thing is, is like it happened. Put it behind you. I did a body check and was like, "Yeah, I can ride um, home." That's all I need to know for now, and then I'll handle the next step when it happens, right? And like, yeah, my legs stiffened up and I could barely walk for three days. Um, the thing is is that you don't worry about that stuff until it happens. Getting in a panic and getting in your head is going to kill you. You know what I'm saying? It's one of the things that people always talk about uh, when you are um, survivalists, like when you're getting lost. So it's no no different getting lost in a big city if you're a tourist and you're in another country that you don't speak the language or getting lost in the wilderness. You can. The only difference is, is that your money spends in the city no matter where you're at. Out in the wilderness, you only got you to depend on. So, um, the reason this came up is on the SoCal dual sport Facebook page. I ran across a conversation the other day where a new to the group rider got separated from the pack on an evening ride. I think I saved this page. Yep, I did. Here we go. So the very, very, very first, first, first post, let me go up here to the top and read it. I hope this is allowed to do on Facebook page, by the way. So uh, it says, guys and girls, I'm going to omit the person's name. Guys and girls, I got separated from the group last night just before sunset in the mountains at six to 7,000 feet, heading back to staging. And it got cold and dark fast, and this was a week ago. And I can tell you that um, I know it's been pretty chilly in the mountains. It's been snowing and stuff for the past like a month. And uh, even if it's not snowing, it's chilly at that uh, elevation. So cold and dark um, and wet, p- possibly if it's snowing, um, is is uh, going to play a huge part here. So I got co- it got cold and dark fast and I got spooked bad. I had a small cycle app on my phone that I had started to tr- that 
I had started to track me before we left that probably saved my life. I was able to find an old trail that we come in on to get back in the reverse direction, but that wasn't the way we were heading out. It was on my way. uh, It was in my backpack, so it was a lot of stopping and getting my stuff off to check each time. What's the best dirt bike GPS? And then in capitals, spooked me bad. There's 200 and something comments in this thread. Um, oh, wow, look, there was some just a few days ago that I uh, that I have here uh, that I didn't get because this has been updated since then. So let me, let me show you. This is, I scoured this, um, and I'm going to talk about, like, I should, I'm not the one that should be talking about this. I don't do very many trips and the ones I do I go off a dirt road into like roughly relatively populated or like um like OHV areas where I know people are going to be the last time I went off road was down a residential dirt road so it was graded but it was really crappy and it was washed out and the people that live there probably have four by fours it was kind of out in the boonies but I knew that there would be somebody coming pretty soon. It's not like I would have been stranded out there for days and days and days. And I think I still had a cell phone uh, signal. So that was during the pandemic also. And so that was early on in the pandemic um, before the ICUs were all jammed up toward the end here. But the thing is, is that it still would have sucked to have something bad happen and go to the hospital at that time early on. Um, And also that meant there was not a lot of people out on the roads at the time. So that I, I guess I had that going for me because if there was an ambulance in, in the area or a helicopter, they would have been able to come get me priority, not had a you know huge, massive pileup. But the thing is, I wasn't out in the wilderness wilderness. I was like, like I said, I was in like a dirt road that led down to some people that like lived out in the, in the boonies. So... Whoops, do you have that little trumpet playing there? Tobor, practice trumpet on your own time, my, my son. So listen, um, here's, what, here's the thing. Uh, not only were they uh, unable to keep, that this particular rider was a, unable to keep up with the others who did stop a while after they realized that they had a rider missing, but the rider had no reception either, um, which can be the case even when you're on paved roads out in the country. And this happens to me in Wigs when we go up the hill to um, anytime you're up up on um, Angeles Crest or going up to Crystal Lake Cafe up in Azusa, um, you get to the uh, off-highway vehicle park up there and there is zero um, reception after that point. And there's none up at the, at the cabin. They have, a, they have a landline phone. So, or up at the cafe rather. It's, it, you have no reception until you get back down to the bottom of the hill. So, and that's kind of here in the city, you know what I'm saying? Just up on the mountain. So if you're out in the really, really, really wilds, um, you're not going to get a uh, reception. Reception If you can lose it here on paved roads, just out in the country. So getting lost can be tragic if the circumstances are against you. And it can be terrifying to say the least, especially if you're only prepared for like a two hour long trip and not an emergency overnighter until you can get your bearings in the daylight. So here's my little list of things. And this is just from like uh, me having spent a little bit of time in the wilderness, not not even as a motorcyclist. As a motorcyclist, you're going to have to know way more than this. And there's probably classes and people that have a way better uh, idea of how to do this than me. If you're a moto camper and you're planning to go camping, that's also one thing. You probably have all your goods with you. 
you could probably break down or even get lost. And guess what? You probably got your tent. You probably got your a little bit of food, and you got everything you need to, to stay the night somewhere. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about these little dual sport rides. They happen all the time here in California. They go. Everybody goes on evening rides during the week, and then longer rides out into the the Mojave Desert or out into the mountains and stuff around it uh, on the weekends. And there's a lot of cool old ghost towns out here, and there's a lot of cool old uh, abandoned or like never developed towns. And there's a lot of crazy stuff out there in the hills where they used to shoot movies and this and that. It's the reason why California is so diverse um, and so great. But it, there's also, you think of LA in the movies, downtown LA, that's a small chunk of the county. Uh, there's so much stuff once you get on the other side of the hills out in the wilderness. Um, so listen, phones versus GPS, right? Everybody has their phone app. Use your phone. Do your track thing. This person had a little cycle app. Um, I don't even know if it says what it was on their phone. But your phone can die, all right? And then you don't have any way to call for help if you do get a signal. Um, So the reason phones really are not the most optimum, everyone, I've heard everyone, even Cleveland Moto this weekend, oh, yeah, I know you got your phone. I downloaded a damn app on my phone, blah, 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 blah. Your phone can die. The more apps you have on your phone, the more they're likely to die. The closer they come, I mean, and you know, as we've seen with Tesla's uh, range and battery life, like that can be modified by, um, an, what am I trying to say? Modified by an over-the-air update, right? So when my last iPhone updated to some version, it was sucking the battery life dead so fast because it was updating the apps constantly. So they did this little fix where people complained about the battery life going dead uh, all the time and having to charge it like every five hours rather than once a day. And it was like, yeah, okay, we quit making it do automatic updates. Who knows what your provider is doing in the background? Uh, You need to have something that's not going to die or if your phone dies that you can rely on, okay? So phones, they die. And then you don't have a way to call um, if you do get to a spot where you can get a signal, okay? Number two, why I think phones are a bad idea. Phones are pretty generic, given that they are not dedicated to anything but being generic, right? It's the same reason that you buy a Senna or a Cardo Pack Talk or something like that, rather than using just your Bluetooth speaker in your helmet, like popping in an earbud and doing a, a, a converse, a, a, what's it called? A conference call. Sorry, I'm, I had a bit, little bit of the old fizzy alcoholic uh, drink here, so... My thoughts are escaping me. I apologize. Anyway, uh, it's the same reason you don't just do a conference call. Why do you have a dedicated Senna? Why? Well, because it does audio and video, and I can stream it to my phone and listen to music or take phone calls, sure. But you don't just have a Bluetooth speaker in your ear or an old Bluetooth-style headset and just open a conference call and drive with your buddies. Why don't you do that? Because it's your phone. It's not a it's not a comms system, right? The whole the whole motorcycle comms business runs on the fact that it sucks to use your phone. Sure you can link your comms to your phone if you need, but you shouldn't be using your phone as everything. A camera, a computer to stay in touch with social media, uh, a movie, a video recorder, you know, uh, an actual phone, which is probably what people use them for the least. When, when's the last time you actually talk person to person with someone on your cell phone, right? Mostly it's text or, or TikTok videos all day long or Instagram all day long or, you know, typing something on social media, whatever it is. Sometimes you might have a, uh, 
a travel app like Rever, or you might have Amazon on your phone. It's Your phone is doing all these things, right? And it's great at being a little tiny computer. And what computers aren't good at is uh, every other thing that capable units are, are available. So my, my thing is just like, listen, get a GPS unit. What is it? What's the one thing they're designed for? Displaying a freaking map, a route, coordinates, or all of the above. They don't take pictures. They don't track your friends. They don't you know, do anything that you're, that you're using your phone for. And I know cell phones are great. They're not just phones anymore. They, they're, they should be just called like mobile computers, right? At this point. Um, but your quote phone is everything, but a GP should be everything, but a GPS device. After I read this post, you know, that's, this is my, this is my, uh, cause even I have like apps and stuff. My kids have boy scouts. We have like little compass apps. What beats an actual compass? You know, is your phone going to, what if your phone gets out of whack or something, right? Like, who knows? And who knows if it has to be connected to satellites in order to be able to see? Phones work on something else, uh, and I'll talk about that next. That's that's number four. So let's get to number three first. Let's not get ahead of ourselves and talk about durability. So phones drop and break, and that's all great. Who knows if it? Like I said, who knows if that messes up the inner compass or any? I don't know, sensors. I don't know how phones work, to be honest. They're so small and they do so many things. I think they're just basic units and they're not going to be as accurate as purpose-built units. So GPS units are made to mount to your handlebars, to take a fall. I mean, phones are generally designed to take a little bit of a fall but not get flung or smashed into rocks or cartwheel, right? GPS units might survive a bike doing a cartwheel. Who knows? Uh, you go into a wash, you go over the bars, your legs smash everything on the handlebars as you're, as you're flying over the handlebars, your phone's going to get wrecked. Your GPS, if it gets cracked, I don't think that's going to mess, you know, the screen might get cracked, but what about the, um, I, I think that they're designed to take an internal fall where phones, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. I don't know about cell phones, except for the glass breaks a lot when you drop them without a case. Are they on a case when they're on a, on your handlebars? <laughs> and the other thing is if you eat crap on your bike and you have a GPS unit that's locked into the little GPS unit holder and it's a dedicated thing that's like made with hardware to mount to your bike and it's not just a generic something you got off Amazon or cycle gear to mount to the handlebars, your phone might be flying into the bushes when you crash hard or get jiggled out of the thing and you lose it or for whatever reason it gets lost, right? You're not riding on the freeway. Even on the freeway, I'm scared to have my phone mounted up on my handlebars because the sun's cooking it, and my, I've had my phone turn off because it got too hot in the bright California sun before. Um, I've had, uh, or well, my, I personally haven't lost mine on the freeway, but my friends have. I've had my thing look kind of loose, and I pulled over to fix it because I wasn't sure if it was loose or not. But I've had friends whose phones fell off down here in California or in a, in L.A., and when they got back up to Santa Cruz, guess what? No phone, um, you know, so you don't want that when you're re relying on a, something, a, a device to, to track where you are out in the wilderness to some place you've never been potentially, right? So that's my thing too, is phones belong in your pocket, not up on your handlebars trying to tell you where to go. A GPS unit is designed to do that. Um, so number four, this is the other thing about phones, satellites versus towers. 
Now, a dedicated GPS will rely on GPS satellites rather than your network's infrastructure. Um, most phones, from what I know, use cell towers rather than satellites. Every time you hear about a murder mystery, they ping the towers where the person was. They don't check the satellite to see if it was beaming a signal to that person. The satellite, I don't know how cell infrastructure works, so don't, you know... I know that there are satellites involved, but the satellites might beam signal or coverage down to the towers, and then the towers provide local signal. I don't like, maybe that's how it works. I have no idea, but I do know that towers and satellites are involved. So if there's no towers near you, you're probably not going to get a signal. Um, and in Arkansas, where my family lives, there used to be excellent signal down in this little valley, uh, which is like uh, surrounded. Tobor, don't tell me. You're going to describe a valley because I'm going to say it was surrounded by mountains. I caught myself. Um, so down in this valley, the signal would come over the mountains well enough that everybody got signal. Pretty soon, two telecom companies are fighting over jurisdiction. Hey, we built a tower, but now you have this area in your service coverage. You want to use our tower. you got to pay us. So we don't want to pay you. We're taking over this area, blah, blah, whatever it was. Um, while the telecom companies figured out nobody in that valley gets a signal anymore. You have to drive out to the main road um, and you have to drive out to a more populated area like downtown um, population like 500 to get a signal. You can't be out in the woods anymore uh, at your own house and get a signal. So signals bounce off of towers, maybe also satellites, but a GPS don't give a crap. A GPS is has dedicated GPS satellites that I think the government takes uh, care of and, and not a telecom company. So I think the actual government uh, put those GPS satellites up there. So I think that they have them up there all the time and they're constantly working or at least being repaired, I hope. Um, so pay your taxes. Um and most phones, um, unlike GPS units or sat phones, like I said, relies on towers. Now, a GPS or a satellite phone, if you have that, is going to rely on satellites, which are above your head day and night, you know, regardless of weather. If you can reach the satellite, you can get a signal. Um, for, that was 4A. 4B is that race teams use radios that can see over short ranges and don't rely on any different communication frequency. And while it is true that sometimes you need a line of sight for some radios to work, it's better than needing a cell tower out in the middle of nowhere. At least if you can see somebody or see some civilization or you know somebody else has towers, or not towers, has radios set up, you can get it. Um, and part of the B, uh, LA B2B, which is the LA Barstow to Vegas ride, it goes out, it, you, you, you ride to Vegas, but you don't do it on the road. You do it out in the desert that connects the two, uh, cities. Um, so from Barstow, you just hop out there and you ride desert and over the mountains and all that crazy stuff that goes into Las Vegas all the way, um, you're required to have like a radio and some sort of GPS or a roll. They give you a roll map, um, which is even better than GPS because a roll map can't be wrong. You know, you can be wrong the way you read it, but a roll map can't have different coordinates or something, you know. So um, you're required to know how to read a roll map and you're required to have some sort of radio other than a cell phone because they know you're going to be out in the middle of nowhere. So 
the Facebook group actually suggested getting a 35 mile walkie talkie. And I've seen a lot of guys when I'm out riding, uh, going out toward places I can go on the, on my SCR, which is not full on, um, crazy off-road stuff, but it, you know, like ADV dual sport sort of stuff, right? Sort of, um, I'll see guys out there on KTMs and excuse me, Huskies and stuff like that getting ready to bail off into the wilds and they all have these little radios clipped to their chest and like little antennas on them and everything. They look like, they look like tiny military uh, radios. So I'm, I'm wondering if those are the 35-mile walkie-talkies, so to speak. And 35 miles is a pretty good uh, radius. So that's the other thing I would say is that don't rely on your cell phone for signal because they work on towers and B, get yourself a good radio like the race teams and even some off-road events suggest that you have. Uh, part five, or topic five, is buddy up. In the event that you should get lost, like this rider in the Facebook group, there should have been a sweeper, and I think he was, He said he was the sweeper because he did know part of the road, um, but everybody was so much faster than him, and he kind of dawdled, and he got left behind. So if you are the sweeper be aware, right? But if he didn't know the way in, if he kind of knew and they trusted him to be sweeper, that's not technically, in my opinion, what a sweeper is. A sweeper is somebody that will catch the last person. You guys can fix a flat tire or you can splint up their broken arm or something. It's like an experienced person that knows the trail and also knows how to fix who they're waiting with, who the very last person they might encounter. That To me, that's a sweep. Like a sweep isn't somebody that's slower, just going to cruise their own ride. It's somebody that knows almost as much as, as or, or more than anybody else because the leader can know where the route is. They can even be looking at their own GPS, but they're going to be responsible for getting people there safely. The sweep should have like... This is just my opinion again. Should have some like medical know-how. Should know the exact trail that the leader knows, um, and should have a keen eye for people who have like gone off trail. Like can go fast enough to keep up, but slow enough to keep an eye out, and have the wherewithal to, uh, you know, be able to find that last rider and even stay with them overnight if they had to. So, uh, buddy up. And this person in my, uh, you know, I'm thinking buddy up. Well, they were the sweep, you know? So at least, uh, if the sweep should have a GPS, you know, or else you're going to do exactly what this person did. Even if your buddy doesn't have a dedicated GPS either, maybe the, maybe they can get a signal on their phone. Um, or at least you can work together. Tobor always tells me that two heads. Yeah. He's typing here on the screens. So his mic's off, but he says two heads, is much worse than a robot's processor, but at least it's still better than one. That's true, Tobor. It is better than one human head. And yeah, if the two of you are thinking together, or if that person says, you know, I think I remember coming in this way, and you can say, yeah, you're right. At least you have a friend. At least the panic level is when you're alone. Um, humans have not typically been alone for quite you know, a long time. So they're not used to being alone anymore, especially out on rides and stuff like this. And you're not even suggested to go alone. The more we worry about people's safety, the less we think you should be alone. So really going out in the wilderness isn't suggested. Um, and I think we worry about that sort of stuff as, as just humans out there riding around. Oh, I'm alone. Should I do this? Should I do this? Should I take this chance? I'm all by myself. So just having somebody else there, I think is already going to make your, um, stress levels go down a little bit because we've been conditioned as humans, like at least recently we have that, 
um, buddying up is what we're supposed to do. You know, the buddy system, um, and, and, and our anxiety levels are probably high when we're completely alone. So here, I got to quit slapping myself. Tobor, we need some music. Uh, I don't know if you can crank me in something good. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to wait for Tobor to dial up the music, but here's what, um, our next little list is going to be. It is going to be basically songs that are not songs. Sorry, Tobor. I'm looking Looking at what I was asking you to do. Um, it is going to be GPS unit suggestions solely based on these comments in the Facebook group. And so this is what people were saying um, to have or to what they have and what works for them. So Tobor, crank up the music. Oh, God. It's not Cheryl time, is it? Oh, don't play Cheryl time. Play something else. Oh, God. Can you just stop? Just play something else. Don't play Cheryl time, homie. I don't want to hear it. There we go. All right. Thank you, Tobar. Thank you for thinking of me, though. Cheryl time was a fun song. A um, little fun collab we did. All right. Cool. So here we go. GPS units. Thank you, Tobar. GPS units suggestions on this uh, from this Facebook group equals first one. Garmin 78 with trackback. Apparently that can... Um, set a reverse course from where you just came from, or at least have a pointer pointing back. And like a lot of people have this on your phone when it finds your car in a parking lot, like at the mall or something, if, if people even go to the malls anymore. Um, the Garmin Montana was mentioned about 5,000 times in these 200 comments. Also, specifically, somebody said the Montana 700. Somebody else said the Garmin Montana 680T. And so there's a few different versions of the Montana. And, and, and that came up, like I said, out of these 200-something comments, that came up at least like 20 or 30 times. Um, the Garmin 64 ST with local maps loaded. Now, I had an old Garmin I just threw away recently because it was so old and crappy and it needed a power source to plug into. It's not it – was, it was that old. It was like, it was like from 2000 – six or something when I first moved to LA and, it, and you had to have it plugged into your cigarette lighter. They still made cars. That's right around the time they quit making cigarette lighters. So this thing needed a constant power source. So I threw it away. If I'm going to do things nowadays, you need something that has chargeable power or swappable batteries. That's even better because you can take those in your backpack and it won't go dead like your cell phone, right? Um, so hopefully these units have swappable batteries. Always carry extra batteries in your backpack and check them like every three months or something like that. Uh, and if these things do have swappable batteries, you don't have to worry about charging them on your vehicle as you go. So these Garmin's, I know they're really good, and I know you could download local maps. You could buy map sets, all sort of crazy stuff. So that's good. It's good to know that the Garmin uh, 64ST had local maps loaded. Uh, this one is the Trail Tech Voyager Pro, and I saw TT Voyager Pro in there two or three times. Never heard of it, but it sounds pretty good. Um, Spot X, I thought that was a radio, so I don't know. I listed that under GPS units, but I also listed it under other or, or radios because I thought a Spot X was like a spot tracker. I'm not sure if that's what it meant or if Spot X is some sort of um, uh, GPS. Uh, I don't know if it's an app or, or a unit. Um, Link Technologies. Now, this was the most interesting one I saw. Link Technologies. This is a system, and it also comprises 
like maybe the whole system plus the uh, different applications, different devices. There's all sorts of stuff. So Link Technologies, you got to go look, uh, go there and look. But it's a system that's used by the military, law enforcement, um, port and warehouse applications, so they can track like where the containers are, where the ships are, and the. Um, like warehousing and stuff like that. Like Amazon, you got to know where this thing is. It's on a little GPS tracker. Uh, when you have a huge building, it'll tell you right where it is and say it's on Bay, blah, blah, blah. So Link Technologies is one of these systems uh, used for that sort of stuff. Contractors and building sites use them. I'm guessing it's like a uh, GPS. Uh, it's got to be pretty accurate. I'm guessing if contractors use it because they're probably mapping out buildings that take up like a whole city block and you got to know where this and this and this is. Are you square? Are you on the property line? All this great stuff. So I'm sure uh, the fact that warehouse and port um, people use them and then building contractors sound like they use them. It sounds like it's a pretty accurate system, maybe even better than GPS where you have like a six foot radius. This might be able to get down to the container, you know, or the shelf. Um, I have no idea, but they also use them for drones or UAVs, which is unmanned aerial vehicle, aerial vehicles, um, which is probably why law enforcement and military uses it, but also, uh, law enforcement and military specifically, if you ever see like, um, if you want to track people and you don't, don't have visuals, you can do it that way. Um, you can have little markers on maps. You can also track visually um, is great because you can like have a drone see like a strobe or like a little infrared marker or something like that but if you don't have that and you just have these little sensors it sounds like they can read where you are with the GPS unit so I don't know it just sounds it sounded pretty like pretty cool and it looked like it was also for the public I mean anybody that wants to buy it and Link was L-Y-N-Q so check that out if anybody has any experience with that that'd be kind of cool to hear uh, what your experience was and like how that system actually works for public uh, use. It seems like a lot of race teams would use this. Um, okay, again, going back to the Garmins. The Garmin InReach Mini, that was uh, suggested a few times. The Garmin 66i. The Garmin 60CSX, that's easy for you to say, um, CSX, and the Magellan. Uh, I forgot about Magellan. And then there's probably a bajillion other ones. This is just ones that got listed in the group um, over and over and over that I saw. I, I could have missed a couple. There was 203 comments. I'm sure I didn't hit every single one. But most of the, the, the biggest one was the Garmin Montana listed over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then I found out each one had like a different model number. So apparently there's different Montanas. But Garmin seemed to be pretty popular. And somebody said they even, I have a Garmin watch that tracks like my sleep even and it tracks it can track my bike ride my runs and all that fun stuff um, and track local weather so I know it's hooked up to my phone and my and wherever the GPS is on my phone but even when it's not synced to my phone um, there are certain garments that have like GPS technology like capability for a route and then you upload that to your phone so it tracks it um, independently of your phone. It doesn't need a signal to keep this GPS route. So somebody, one of the people was saying that they have a Garmin watch and they set that and use that. And if they get lost or out of shape, they sync it to their phone real quick and then use their phone and it'll, it'll, they'll be able to see it on a map, like on their phone, how to get back. Um, so apps, here's a couple apps that people were talking about. 
Gaia. That was mentioned a bunch of times. Oh, I use Gaia. Oh, I use Gaia. Some people use Gaia and a dedicated GPS. So Gaia sounds pretty good. Um, somebody said the OHV Trails app. I've never heard of it. I don't know who makes it. They just said OHV Trails app. So I'm, I don't know if that's the actual name of the app or if it's like, you know, by so-and-so, there's an OHV Trails app. Um, somebody mentioned GeoTracker is an app that they use. Um, so that sounds like it's pretty legit too. But Gaia was mentioned so many times, almost as much as the Garmin Montana. But I'd have to say Garmin's... One, two, three, four, five, six different Garmin's mentioned if you don't count the models of Montana. If you start counting the models of Montana, Garmin is mentioned at least 10 times. Garmin seems to be really popular amongst off-road riders. Um, Let's get to the radios. I put Spot X under here because I'm not sure if Spot X is a radio or a little marker or a beacon or what it is, but radios and other... Here's this list. It's a pretty short list. Somebody said the Samson Race Communications. I don't know if those are the little radios that every uh, dual sport rider and his mom that I see has or not, but uh, check out Samson Race Communications. Uh, obviously for Baja, for Dakar, for um, any score race, I'm guessing here, which is the Southern California Off-Road uh, Racing Enterprises? Dang it. Why did I miss the E on score? Anyway... It's uh, they do all the off-road races out here in SoCal, and I'm, I know they all have like a radio system that they have, and there's multiple frequencies for rider to t- pit or team, and then also to main um, race control. So I know there's several different radios that people use. Samson Race Communications may cover all those. You could probably set it to different uh, frequencies. Um, like I said, Spot X. I don't know if that's a if that's a phone or if that is a beacon or what it is but then acr personal locator beacon was the last thing mentioned so i'm gonna leave you guys with that and uh fade this out and nokomoto guys speak of the dirt bag i mean speak of the devil they've been actually talking a lot about getting into dirt biking and i think that's great um i think there's a lot of great dirt bikes out there dirt bikes blew up and carried the industry through 20 right Everybody was buying campers, RVs, and dirt bikes, right? My my guess, I haven't looked at the numbers yet, um, but I shall. And um, I have, I have, uh, I'm trying to think of a word, a, a cool word for spies. Tobor, are there like robotic spies that there's like a cool word? No, no, no. He just. Oh, and uh, malware? <laughs> no, not that type of spy, but but I do have malware spies. Uh, the humankind in um, deep inside of MIC headquarters. I'm just kidding. I don't, but I wish I did. Anyways, I I do have, um, I do probably can get some data from the MIC regarding sales um, and regarding uh, overall basically like dirt bike stuff, right? Because here's my guess. Everyone wanted to get into dirt bikes last year. So in about two years, when all this credit thing and everything that all the fallout from 2020 happens and all the stimulus buying of dirt bikes and extraneous toys hits and people can't finance them anymore, I'm guessing that in 2022, when the new Hayabusa and the new KLR come out, um, that there's going to be 
a ton of dirt bikes for sale because nobody can finance them or afford them, or they're just going to be a cheap luxury at that point. And people are going to say like gym equipment. It's the reason I loved shopping in March for gym equipment. Cause everybody made these new year's resolutions. They asked for it for Christmas, all this stuff. And then by March you realize work's crazy. It is so hard to like make free time. You don't make, you don't get free time. You make free time and nobody's going to make free time. Right? So if you're a gym junkie or like a home workout junkie, like I used to be, uh, now I'm just junkie. Um, dude, March was the time to buy used gym equipment. Cause everybody's given up on their, um, on their new year's resolutions by March. They're like, Oh, I look all right. I did pretty good for January and February, but dude, I gotta tell you, uh, it's killing me. Um, and it only takes about six weeks to get results that you can start to see. So I think people start to see results and think, Hey, I'm Hulk Hogan. I'm good to go. Um, or for women, Hey, I'm China. Um, I'm good to go. So I think that same sort of principle is going to happen with the motorcycle industry. After about a few months of planning trips and going on two whole trips, paying off this three or four thousand dollar, or if they bought a brand new bike, ten, seven, nine, ten thousand dollar dirt bike, believe it or not, because dirt bikes are getting astronomical in price, um, they're going to say, you know what? I've gone on four trips since owning this bike. And like two of them were rushed and not even fun. So I've gone on two great trips. Let's see what does that add up to. $2,000 per trip for this bike. And then I had to buy a trailer and gear and all that stuff. So I have a feeling that 2022 is going to be the year of the used flood of dirt bikes. I'm just guessing. I don't, I don't know. And there's a lot of people like cafe racer people that like hold on to their bikes because they think they're just going to go up in value. And I got news for you, folks. They are not. Uh, they're going to keep making new ones that are just as expensive. And that means yours is going to go nothing but drop in value. And you're going to be selling it for like uh, a fifth of the price. You know, hopefully you only bought it for 5000 bucks and you can still get it for $1,000. So we're going to see, I, I think, in like two years um, – we're going to see prices dropping back down. I've heard that they're crazy, and I've heard that there are weights for dirt bikes. I think that's going to go over. But dirt bikes always sell. So dirt bikes aren't probably ever going to hurt. Um, but I just think we're going to see a just giant run of used dirt bikes. So if you're going to hold on to your dirt bike for two more years and sell it for real good when this run is happening, um, guess what? There's going to be like... 18,000 of what you're selling and it's going to make yours worth even less. So you better sell it now if you're already having that buyer's remorse and already thinking about what a crummy time you're having. Um, if you're, if you're going to short term it, you better short term it now and get rid of it before you even had a chance to have fun on it. Um, cause that's what everybody else is looking for. And with that, everyone, we blabbed your ear off enough. Is it an hour Tobor? Put up the board so I can see it real quick. Okay, I can't see. I still see that screen. Can you get that off there? Thank you, sir. You're actually a pretty good... Um, yeah, so we're at an hour and a half. All right, everyone. So we're at an hour and a half. We're going to bounce out of here. Uh, I did want to say, think about this. What uh, If you have any suggestions and you have any... Um, 
radios that you use. If you're an off-road person, please, for next uh, show, email us, if you could, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Email us. What type of radio do you have? What type of GPS do you have? Do you get away with just your phone and it works fine and it's great and there's nothing to really worry about? I'm hyping this up based on one person's experience. Um, Let us know. Please uh, write the show. And uh, also the gear. Because GPS is one thing. That's one very minor point. That's getting you here and there. What about if you crash? Hydration. Um, crash protection. Like, you can't just wear riding shoes out in the desert. I can tell you that much. You need some hardcore um, things that aren't going to turn your legs in sp- into spaghetti when you fall or get ran over or smash your foot into a rock. You need hard stuff. So uh, write in and, and let us know what type of gear you use, um, what type of equipment you use for uh, navigation and communication. And uh, last but not least, Nokomoto sucks. And... The Solstice Slam is going to be coming up here pretty soon before you know it. So please email us any art, any music, any songs, any crazy ride stories that you're going to get. Uh, Email them to us by this summertime, but start collecting them now. I'll set the date out here in a little bit. I don't even have it. I don't even know when the summer solstice is. I think it's June 43rd, but I'll double check my calendar to make sure uh, when it's going to be. But anyways, um, we're, we're getting our prize packs together. We're going to hopefully make it more like spooky spokes where you can win some gift certificates to get yourself some gear, uh, win something cool from us, uh, maybe some swag, maybe a shirt um, from our Zazzle store. At any rate, um, go and submit something slam at creative-writing.com and start thinking about that right now. And if you go to our Facebook page, we have a little group called Cobra, which is the creative online writers, bikers, and artists. Submit your bike up there if you want to show off your bike. Submit any uh, art that you have there. Um, And that's what that page is for. And if you submit it there on that page, I will put it in our Solstice Slam um, art group. And so maybe we can have a virtual art show. Who knows? Maybe we can make this year better than last year. Um, I can tell you getting lit on fire and thrown off the balcony of a 12-story building would be better than last year. But uh, with that, everyone, take it easy. Send your hate mail to contact at nokomoto.com and have a good time. Bye. So this took a dark turn.